Welcome to the Joy of Sunflowers podcast. We release podcasts here, in part and in full, on the Joy of Sunflowers website. The Joy of Sunflowers podcast is about sisterhood through infertility and pregnancy loss. We cover a range of topics including fertility, pregnancy after loss and so much more. I speak with a range of people including wellness professionals, medical experts and beautiful mamas. The aim of this podcast is to bring you information and experiences that will validate and equip you for whatever season you find yourself in right now. Hi, welcome to the Joy of Sunflowers. You're about to watch an interview with Kim from Just Be Kimmy. And uh, we didn't do an interview uh, intro because we hit it off straight away. So I hope you enjoy this interview uh, where we talk about pregnancy after loss as well as pregnancy loss. Um, She is pregnant uh, currently in this interview, but she has now had her rainbow baby who is really gorgeous and cute. So I hope you um, check out her space on Instagram. Links are below the video. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. How is everything going with your pregnancy so far? Yeah, it's going okay. Um, I'm still feeling movement. I'm freaking out every time I don't. Um, I know. It never goes away, does it? No, I had my radiology appointment and... And I sort of, I'm not ready. Do you call it radiology? No, right. Well, I had a scan. Like an and, ultrasound yeah. appointment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and I saw the baby and I, saw, you know, I laid there and I was like, oh, you know, the baby's there, great. But then it was kind of like, but I'd, but is it going to be here, you know? Like, I know. And I you know. just, it's like so annoying because you're like, I just want to. You can't enjoy it at all. It's <laughs> it's awful. Like, where's the, where's the contentment? Where's the like, okay, now I've seen the baby. I'm fine now. It's like, it, I know. it doesn't even last, you know. Not even 30 minutes. minutes outside of the office. Cause then you get home and you're like, <laughs> oh, is something wrong here? I don't feel her now. Or... <laughs> yeah. And then oh. sometimes you're, you're fine. And then you start te- checking tissue again and you're like, yeah. Oh yeah. I- oh, every time I go to the bathroom, every time. No, like, I've yeah. been going through like, like, um, moments. Like, so sometimes I'll go to Lou and I won't check. And then sometimes I'll go to Lou and I will check. And I'm like, well, this yeah. is, what? I went to the toilet last time and it didn't look. Why am I looking now? <laughs> I know. I know. It's so hard. It's like we had a, um, they call it like a retro or uh, I'm sorry. I haven't, I have a retroverted uterus first of all. So it like tilts backwards, like not forward. And then I also have an anterior placenta, which is in the front. So it's been like really hard for me to feel her like really consistently at all. So it drives me crazy. So it's like some days I'm like, Oh my God, I haven't felt her in hours. And I'm like that, you know, and then you tell your OB and they're like, well, let's just do like a non-stress test or let's just check it out. And like everything is, of course, is fine, but it's like, it just messes with you mentally. It's horrible. <laughs> and then you go down a rabbit hole and then you start Googling. <laughs> don't Google. See, I think the there's like moments where it's like, don't Google. And it's like, that actually is a moment not to Google. The rest of the time we have to Google because I know medical professionals don't give us enough information. They're like, oh, just... It's like a heavy period. Off you go. No, it's not. 
No, not at all. Not at all. Let us do our research. We know what we're doing. I know. How far along are you again? Um, I am ju- I am only like 22 weeks. Okay. Yeah. So reaching 20 weeks was like a big deal for me. Yeah. Went into the scan. I didn't lose babies at 20 weeks. I lost babies at like six and seven weeks. So I was kind of thinking I'd be fine after I got over that part. Yeah. Wasn't. Like, I mean, yeah. I speak to all of you, like all of you women and, and like one lady, she said she lost hers at 20 weeks and I was like freaking out. So then I went, I know. like when I got the scan, I thought I'd feel better and I didn't, I didn't no. know too much. No, because yeah, you always hear about, I mean, no matter how, where you are in pregnancy, like I know a, um, somebody I went to school with, uh, university with, um, him and his wife had they went in for their delivery at 38 weeks, I want to say, and they had a stillbirth. And it's like, I don't know the details of it, but like just hearing that, like, it's like, you always just wonder, like, are you ever going to get there? Like, are you ever going to actually have the baby? You know, it's like, you hate saying stuff like that, but it's just like, it's, it still doesn't feel like reality, you know, Not after really- you've gone through it. Yeah, and you're like, well, until I'm holding the baby and the baby's like screaming at me. (laughs) But even then we probably won't relax. No. No. Oh, I've I've like I've been talking to a few of um a few women who have actually had their rainbows. And yeah, they check all the time if they're breathing. And I I did that. Like I've I've had three kids first and then I had two losses. And I did check their breathing a lot because I'd heard so much about like SIDS and all this stuff. So I was freaking out. I got like a secondhand mattress that wasn't really used but had been out like enough to like aerate and I got like (laughs) I did like all these different things to try and like minimize the risk. And yeah, so I checked their breathing like all the time. Oh yeah, 100%. I would do the same. Since loss, I check their breathing like all the time now as well. And I have a seven-year-old and I check my husband's breathing too. So (laughs) It's so funny. I know. It gets worse. But yeah. But better because you're aware. Yeah. Just in a different way. (laughs) Love everyone even more so. And then when everyone wakes up in the morning, you're like, hi. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's going to make, I don't know if they have like, um, have you ever heard of like those different sleep monitors now they have for babies? Like there's the booties, like Owlet I think is one. And I think like Nanit has another one. Like I I went and I I got one of them, (laughs) but I'm still like, you know, they can't technically be, claim they're a medical device, yeah. you know, because they're not approved through, um, at least in the U.S. for like FDA regulations. So they actually got fined for saying that they were like a medical device when they're not like they say, oh, it can't prevent it, you know, breathing or things like that and monitoring. But for me, I'm like, at least I hope that will help me get a little more sleep. <laughs> but I've also heard they're faulty sometimes and that, the you know, they go off and then I'm like, you know, so great. I'm going to get startled at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Either that or just when you're in the hospital, just be like, hey, can I just can I just take one of those machines? You know, you know, I know, I know right? 
I know. Can I just take a whole EKG machine and just hook it up to the baby every night? <laughs> right. Thanks. Now I can sleep. <laughs> I know. I know. I it's think horrible. I like I have thought about it um for a while, but I was like, well, I co-sleep. Mm-hmm. I I just I have to co-sleep because otherwise I don't get enough sleep. Like I was yeah. green. I was green after my first child and I was like, that's not okay. So, yeah. so I started getting asleep with co-sleeping. I don't worry about the baby because I'm like half awake most of the time yeah. because I've got the baby right next to me and I'm like very hyper aware. A lot of people worry they're going to like crush their baby. But for me, I was like, I'm half, half awake the whole time. So right. I didn't get great sleep, but I got way better sleep than I was getting because I was getting like right. nothing before. Yeah. Um, but I knew the baby was breathing. I knew the baby was moving. I knew all that yeah. stuff because it was literally right next to me and kicking my stomach or like, you know. Yeah, right. You felt the movements. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's It was like, you know, I mean, they're not inside you anymore, but it was kind of like that because they were pushing so hard. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. 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 It's going to be interesting. This will be our first. So um, taking home our first, obviously. So it'll be an experience, I think, for sure. But I'm just hoping I can keep it all together with the lack of sleep and (laughs) paranoia. I think the most important thing to know is this. Um, No one's perfect. And every mom that you see is winging it even if you look up to them even if you think they're amazing and you're like wow they're the best mom no they're winging it they're not they don't know what they're doing they're just winging it figure it out and we all pretty much have this moment where you hold the baby you're just like i'm oh crap (laughs) i'm like in charge of this like this is my thing (laughs) that i have to look after and 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 i have to keep it alive and it's mine okay oh my gosh yeah i've heard that one from quite a few people (laughs) It is just this like realization of like I I actually have full responsibility for this human being yeah. and I have to keep I know <laughs> yeah especially like when they send you home it's kind of like all right good luck <laughs> yeah and I mean I mean that's that's the way it should be but at the same time you're like okay I think <laughs> I speak to a lady who, who adopted and she was like, oh yeah, we went for parenting classes and all this. And she had to do all that as part of adoption. And I was like, yeah, we don't have to do that when you, when you just have a baby. And I was like, maybe you should, <laughs> maybe, maybe you should opt, opt for the option, you know, to take parenting classes. Cause yeah, when you're thrust into it, you're just like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm yeah. We have optional classes. I mean, of course, they like charge for them, but I think yeah. we signed up for one, um, like in the middle of March. So hopefully, it will help. For me, it's more about like CPR. Like I want to know like the emergency stuff. I can figure out how to change a diaper and all that other stuff. I'm oh, not yeah. like as worried, but like this, the medical like safety aspects of it. You know, choking, like things like that, like. That's my biggest fear, I think, is like when you put the baby down at night, like how do you know that they spit up everything? Like, you know what I mean? Like from their feeding. I always worry like if they're on their back, aren't they going to like choke? You know what I mean? Like it's just like those things that like I think about. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, fair enough. Again, I didn't have to worry about that because I was co-sleeping. Um, yeah. You can like, get a co-sleeper um, bed if you don't want to have the baby in your bed. And then yeah, I'm gonna get one that's gonna go like right next to the bed where it like kind of folds down. I think so. Like I see the baby right there, but still, it's like oh, I don't know. But I mean, (laughs) you'll be right next to the baby, and you'll hear the baby. You'll be hyper vigilant probably as well because it's your first and you know your history. So you're going Mm -hmm. to probably be more hyper vigilant anyway. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't stress too much because you're probably going to stress out anyway. I know. I know. I'm like, she's not even here yet. And I'm already worried. (laughs) Every gurgle noise. You're just like, don't, don't good. I know. Um, But yeah, most of the time they're fine. Like they can, they can really work it out for themselves a lot of the time with spit up and stuff. Like they get, they get used to it. (laughs) Um, They can't turn over, but you, once you put them into a position, they pretty much stay there. Like, you know, Um, it's when they start rolling that's more concerning. Yeah, right. Can you roll the right, right way, like stay on the side so you can do your vomity thing? And mm-hmm. But, yeah, sometimes there's issues as well that, that causes the vomit. So then you just yeah. try different yeah. things. Like I tried dairy-free and it actually worked. They didn't vomit oh, again. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I tried mm-hmm. dairy-free and then they stopped vomiting. And I was like, well, there you go. I'm not going to have any dairy this sucks. Wow. All right. I'll keep that note. <laughs> I really upped my intake of dairy, like while I was pregnant, because yeah. it was just really bad reflux. So I was like, milk, milk, milk. But then after, yeah, I had to completely cut it out because, yeah, they were growing up and it was wow. like projectile. It's disgusting. I said to my <laughs> husband, I was like, gosh, you must have been like this when you were a kid because he has um, lactose. And okay, apparently yeah. when I was a kid, when I was a baby, I didn't keep any milk down at all. Like they, they couldn't wow. even get me to have formula. So I was like, well, there you go. I'll, uh, I'll just, yeah, no milk. Um, Who would have yeah, known? Yeah, like you said, you just figure it out, right? Yeah, <laughs> just pretty figure much. it out somehow. <laughs> pretty much. And you know what? I've, I feel like as well, like a lot of doctors say, oh, that, you know, baby's just, this just a sicky baby. And I was like, well, I don't accept that because we don't just throw up for no reason. So, you know, so I started right. like doing what I could and then, yeah, I found out it was the dairy thing. So, yeah, wow. just I'd say just, you know, if there's something going on, like, you know, yeah. try different things, right. like a rash, like try different things. Don't have certain foods. See if that helps because, yeah, a lot of the time yeah. there is a cause for something. Like, there, yeah. you know. Yeah, I know. I never, I would have never even thought that because you're right. It's like everything that goes into your body, it's going to translate to the baby. So, yeah. and listen to your instincts because your instincts kind of know, you know, uh, like yeah. when, when, like when you've had the baby, like you kind of, you know, when something's wrong, like you'll know when to worry. Um, yeah. Like even with your first, there's, there's like an instinct there, like of, okay, this, this is not okay, <laughs> you right. know. Right, right. No stress. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to your story, because I know yeah. a lot of people will probably want to hear your story and sort of where everything began. Um, I'll do a separate intro for you because we've just gone straight into chatting. So it's, it seems like <laughs> an intro now. Um, so, so, yeah, let's get straight into your story. Um and sort of starting right at the beginning. So did you always know you wanted to be a mum or did was it something that was more sort of gradual? 
Oh yeah. No, I known ever since I was little with little baby dolls, I wanted to be a mom. So yeah, no, it was something I always knew I wanted to be. Um, my husband and I met later in life. So I was probably I'm trying to think now 34, I want to say, and he is three, four years older than me. So he was in his late thirties. Um, we met across country and, you know, so it took a couple of years for doing, you know, um, relationship by coastal. And when we finally settled down, we really didn't waste much time and we got engaged, you know, very quickly. We got married. Um, it was a pandemic wedding. <laughs> so it was only our parents. <laughs> and then we honestly, we, we were, we started trying like pretty much right away. Um, you know, even before the wedding, because we were like, well, I don't want, I, I knew you always hear like, oh, over 35, you know, there's so many people that get pregnant. It's not a problem. And I was 37 at the time. And, um, you know, we just had no clue, no clue we were going to encounter the issues we did. You know, my mom always told me growing up, we got pregnant. I got pregnant right away with you guys. And my dad would joke like, oh, your mom was fertile, merciful. <laughs> I'm like, your mom's dad. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we just didn't think. We had no clue. No clue we were going to have the trouble that we did. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, do you want me to just kind of get into it then and just kind of run through the story and what we kind of went through? Yeah, I mean, I, we'll, we'll go from the beginning of um, just sort of from the from the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not talk about the pandemic. It's just, that was just a weird time. I I, I was having a baby during that time at home and that was oh it must have been so hard it it was interesting it was <laughs> interesting I also had food poisoning at the same time so yeah no. yeah 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 if oh. you if you get a message in your head to to like not eat something don't eat it I know I, I swear know. it was I swear it was God telling me not to eat something and I ate it anyway <laughs> oh no Oh, that's horrible. That's anyway, um, yeah, I didn't think I would have any problems either because my, my parents always said, well, my dad always said, oh, all I had to do is sneeze at your mother and she was pregnant. And I was like, oh. <laughs> It's like things you don't want to hear. It's like, no, nope, we're good. We're good. <laughs> you don't need to hear this. Why? I'm your daughter. Like, don't I say know, that. I know, I know, right? <laughs> it's like they, they, he, he like found it even more amusing. He was like, oh. I've made I've made you feel really gross now. Ha ha ha. Oh my gosh. It's <laughs> yeah. They do it to make us cringe, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know they really I'm, do. I won't do it to my child. I probably will. No, I know, right? <laughs> we say that now, but we'll probably joke someday too. <laughs> yeah. We'll probably say something really horrible, like cringy, like just mm-hmm. oh, terrible joke. Worst thing yeah. ever. That yeah. dads are dads are the best for dad jokes. So Yeah. Yeah, uh, mums. Mums tell some crackers, and we kind of don't get the bad rap for it. So, yep, yep. <laughs> Lucky us. Um, but yeah, start from start from when you sort of first started trying and and sort yeah. of realization of you know things weren't going the way you wanted. So we started trying, I want to say it was probably, I had to have been 34, 35, I want to say. Now that I'm thinking about this, my husband and I met a lot earlier, probably in my or my early 30s. Um, so we decided to start trying right before our wedding. Um, we tried for, first we tried for about six months. 
Then I went to a doctor in the US. Um, they will let you come in if you're over the age of like 35 to see a doctor and to discuss issues or infertility or reasons why you might not be getting pregnant. If you're over the age of 35, if not, you have to wait a full year, which is kind of crazy if you think about it, because even people like in their 20s have issues getting pregnant or they could have low AMH or ovarian, you know, diminished reserve. So we started trying. We couldn't get pregnant. I had been with an OB that I we were new to the area. So I tried a new OB. She was very dismissive at first. She was just like, oh, like, have you tried this or this? Or, and I'm like, we've tried everything. Like I'm on Google all the time <laughs> and, and it just wasn't happening for us. So we had been then at that point trying for about a year. Um, I finally got prescribed Clomid. So we went on Clomid, third cycle of Clomid. We did get pregnant, but we had a very early miscarriage. It was like at six weeks. It was very, very early. So that in and of itself is kind of devastating because you think, oh, it's your first positive. You think that just like everybody else, like it's exciting and you're going to have a kid. And, it, you know, when it doesn't happen that first time, it's it's really rough. So we kept trying. Um, we tried another couple rounds of Clomid. We got pregnant a couple cycles later. And just at that time that uh, we got pregnant, I also had just the week before I was lifting a piece of furniture and I herniated a, my disc in my back and I was completely bedridden. So timing wise, it was just absolutely horrible. I couldn't walk. I couldn't move. I went for all sorts of tests, MRIs, this and that. Um, the pain I can only explain is like, you just didn't, you couldn't even like live. Like I, I remember at one point, like I was like, I can't even like live anymore. Like this is so bad. Like the pain was just so awful. And then on top of that, like you don't want pain meds because you're pregnant. And then you have a pain doctor telling you, oh yeah, you can take, you know, oxycodone or Norco or, and I'm like, that can't be good for the baby. And then I'd been trying to talk to my, my new OB that I was with and she wouldn't call me back. And so it, the pain got so bad over the course of the next few weeks. At this point, we were eight weeks pregnant. I ended up in the emergency room and I needed emergency back surgery. They found out that the disc was like wrapped around my nerve and I lost all pain in my leg, like all feeling in my leg. And the pain was like just on another level. I can't even explain it. Like I have a whole new appreciation for people who have back problems. So um, had surgery. They monitored the baby, came out, heartbeat was great, strong, everything was fine. Went to my like nine or 10 week um, checkup at the OB, everything looked fine. Then one day I was laying downstairs and I went to go make lunch and put something in the microwave and I keeled over with like just very sharp pain in my right lower abdomen. And at first I was like, oh, it might be just like gas pains because again, this was only like a week and a half to two weeks later after my surgery. And you're very constipated when they put you under anesthesia. So I'd been on like some meds for that. Right. And so I was like, and then all of a sudden, like my vision got blurred. It got distorted. I couldn't see anything. I was like sweating through my clothes, like completely sweating through my clothes my right side, my shoulder was like in pain. Like at first I was like, Oh my God, am I having like a heart attack or something? But it was my other side. <laughs> yeah. So I couldn't move. My husband was at work. I called my neighbor. Luckily she's a nurse across the street with her little girl. She came over 
and she called 911. Um, she like, she, you know, I don't even remember exactly what happened, but from there, the ambulance showed up. I completely passed out. Um, they woke me back up. My blood pressure was like, it was like 80 over 40 or 30. It was like, they're like, we're surprised you're even here right now. And so they got me final stabilized in the ambulance, brought me to the hospital. My pain got worse in my shoulder and they initially thought maybe, oh, it could be appendicitis or it could be like your gallbladder, like ruptured or something. So they um, did tests, lots of labs. They wanted to send me for CT scans, which I refused because I said, I've already had as much radiation exposure as I can from my back surgery because I had to be exposed to fluoroscopy, which is a really high level. And the ER doctor was getting upset because he's like, there could be something else going on. And I said, you can do one x-ray. Like, that's it. You can do an x-ray. So he did an x-ray and he said, all I see is like pooling of blood. He said, it's probably a cyst that ruptured. It's probably fine. He said, we're going to admit you. We'll send you upstairs. Well, the pain got worse and worse and worse. And so overnight, now at this point I had been, I was admitted at like one or two in the afternoon. And at 6 a.m., I had a team of doctors like rush into my room and they said they finally had an OB look at the scans and the imaging. And they're like, we don't mean to scare you, but we need to get you down to the air right now. They said, we think that you have a tube that ruptured and that um, you're basically at risk for like potential, like you could lose your life, this, that we got to get it taken care of. So we're like, I'm like in a frenzy. I had no idea what was going on. It was happening so fast. Um, They couldn't, I told them my blood type. They're like, it doesn't matter. We don't have time to like review your labs. Like we're just going to give you O. Um, And I just remember telling my husband, I was like, you know, just make sure they don't take everything. I was so worried that they were going to like, you know, I was like my, you know, our first child, like, and I'm like, if that, like my tube is gone, like, are they going to take everything else? So Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's like been a while since I've talked about it. Yeah, no, um, that sounds really terrifying. Like it was very terrifying. Very terrifying. So um I woke up from surgery. Um, they brought me upstairs and they said it was the we- the weirdest way that they said it was he's like, Well, he's like he's like, it's almost like you won the lottery, but in like a not the great, not the greatest way. And I said, What do you mean? He goes, well, he said, you're basically like one in 30,000. He said, we don't ever see this. He says, you had a heterotopic pregnancy. And I was like, what is that? And he said, well, the baby you knew you had in your uterus, um, you also had a second pregnancy that was in your tube that was never found. And so it ruptured, which he said, there was two very, very rare things about it. As he said, first of all, it happened on, even though it was Clomid, they said it's technically a natural pregnancy. I guess they usually see it more with like IVF. And then he said, the second part is like, you're, I was almost 11 weeks pregnant. And he said, usually this happens like way earlier. Like my HCG levels had been tested. They were rising. They were over a hundred thousand. Like, you know, there was like the fact that it was in there for that long and they just, they, they didn't see it you know, all of the ultrasounds that I had had before and after my back surgery at my OB's office, like nobody saw it. And, you know, for me, it was a lot about like, how could they miss this? You know? And so it was a lot of like acceptance for like, 
why did this happen? You know, I went through what an entire first trimester pretty much of pain. You know, I couldn't have pain meds. I was crying myself to sleep every single day because of my back. Um, and I was like, if you're just going to take them from me, like, why, why put me through this, you know, this late? So it was very, very traumatizing experience. And I think, you know, for me, it was just trying to, I needed a reason, like I needed to know like why, and there was no why, like no, why this happened, you know, what, why it was missed. Um, and I think that's like the hardest part, I think for anybody going through like, whether it's infertility or pregnancy loss, it's not having answers. Like, even if it's something that you don't want to hear, at least it's an answer, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, so, if your back was, if your back was hurting that whole time, you could have actually had pain from the sort of, it's ectopic, right? Because that, that second yeah. baby, right? So yeah. That ectopic, you could have, you could have been getting pain from that as well but not realizing that's where the pain was coming from. Cause you can feel that's pain possible. Yeah. So that could have been the reason why they missed it because you were already in pain. So they just put it down to the yeah. back, you know, because your back yeah. was already, you know, so then as you progressed and the back got better, but you didn't, that's, you know, obviously yeah. what happened happened, but maybe, maybe that's why like you, your body was warning you. There were signs, right. but those signs weren't picked up because your back was already. I know. A problem. And you would think that, you know, on all the image, I mean, I had like three MRIs done. I mean, MRIs take like, you know, pictures of everything, like in mm -hmm. 360 degree view and then the x-rays and, you know, fluoroscopy. I'm like, how is this messed? And like, and then I went back and I looked through my records at one point, you know, your hospital records. And it said in, in the ER for my ER doctor notes, he put like most likely assist incredibly rare chance that it could be a heterotopic pregnancy. So we think we should rule that out. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, so this was never even mentioned or discussed. Like, first of all, you know, so I did, it's just your, your mind just starts going like in circles. It's like, so I was sitting there bleeding out in a hospital. Well, I mean, even before then, so like at noon the day before, and I didn't get into surgery until like seven the next morning. And you hear about women that have died from ectopic ruptures. So the whole thing, it's just like, it's, it's like a weird feeling because you feel like blessed, you know, to like be alive and like, you know, luckily they were able to save my ovary on that side, which was really good. So they just, it was just the tube. But then it's like, on the other hand, you're like, how is this missed? Like, and you just feel like you need somebody to blame, you know, it's like, how did the OB miss it? How did the ER doctor miss it? How did the back surgeon miss it? Like, how did all these really smart, intelligent people miss something so big? And when I asked my doctor, how do I prevent this from happening again? She's like, she's like, honestly, she said, it's not what you're going to want to hear. But she said, it, she said, honestly, she said, if we didn't catch it, she says it was probably hiding, or it just wasn't very visible on the imaging. Not that, I mean, I just wonder like, were they actually focusing on that? You know, when I was in for my back, they actually ruled out a popular pregnancy because they wanted to like check to see if the baby was there. Like was their heartbeat? Cause I hadn't been for an image yet. So it's, yeah, it's a very weird place to be in. Um, and then 
I remember um, because it had been at that point, because they counted them as twins, it would have been our third loss. They were able to, they were going to send sample tissue samples um, off to a lab just to like see, okay, like, is it, did it have anything to do with a recurrent type of miscarriage scenario? Like, was there, cause they said the one baby, I guess, in the uterus, um, look like it was maybe measuring like a little bit under. Um, and so when they sent all the tissue samples off, I finally got a report back about two months later and there were two things that happened. So the first part is they said they sent all the samples in. Well, something got messed up at the hospital and they only sent in one of the samples of one of the babies. And to me, that was like gut wrenching because like I found out one of the genders of our baby, which was a boy, never knew the other one. So I felt like this child never got an opportunity to like be known. Well, you know, like we found out about it afterwards, like, I don't know which baby it was, you know, like what happened. And of course, like when you reach out to the doctors, they just think, oh, anything under, you know, in first trimester, it happens. It's so frequent. Like they just think it's like, you know, brush off the shoulder. It's like not something they take very seriously. And I think that's like the hardest part, but we actually did find out that one, that one of the babies or the baby that they did test had trisomy, I think 15, which is related to age. It's a chromosomal abnormality. So like as hard is the hardest thing I've ever went through in my entire life by far. Um, but it gave me a little bit of peace of mind to know that it's not comparable to life, like in 99% of cases, like I could have gone till 20 weeks, had that not happened. And I would have been faced with an incredibly difficult decision, potentially. And so then I started thinking, okay, like, this maybe happened for a reason. It's horrible. It's awful. It's gut wrenching. But, you know, I think, through that, it was like a way for me to accept a little bit more of what happened, if that makes sense. So you are lucky to be yeah. here. Um, you know, yeah. you're a miracle sitting in front of me again. I've I've had three of you miracles now. Um, um, so maybe if we go back in time for a second, yeah. just yeah. say about your first miscarriage. So how did that go? Because I had a I had a six week. But I had an like a sack and it carried on growing and I did it all naturally. So it carried on growing until like week 14. Oh, wow. And that's when I passed the oh, egg. Kidding. So you didn't know until later. No, so I, I did know we got the scans and everything. So I knew it was, I knew there was no baby. I knew it was not growing. It was not forming. Like okay. there was just a sack. So I knew that. Um, but I was like, I'll do it naturally. And I had to wait oh, it about took two, a long time to pass mm. uh, two months for it to just naturally just go, okay. My body is like, okay, we're, we're done now. This is not a baby, but it took that long. And I was obviously, I had all morning sickness. I had like all the hormones, everything. Cause the, cause the sac was still growing. So that whole time, obviously I was in a bit of a pit. Like I just yeah. got depressed and just was miserable. Um, it's so but, hard. Yeah. yeah. So that was, yeah. Yeah. So, for us, it was a little different. So like here, most, most OBs, unless you have a past history uh, at that point, we didn't have a history of like miscarriage or anything else. 
So um, normally an OB won't schedule you until at least eight weeks for your first ultrasound. So for me, it was more about like, oh, I got my positive pregnancy test. And of course I was peeing on sticks, like, you know, four times a day, like a crazy person. And so it was more like, you know, I was testing, testing, testing. And then I was looking at the line progress. And then all of a sudden, like one day I was like, like the line literally just got like from red to like pink. And so I was like, okay, maybe this is the test. So then I kept taking other ones and other ones. And then the next day it was like pretty much gone. And so I called my doctor and they said, we'll come in, we'll do a blood test. And we did the blood test and it was like, the HCG was like five, which is, you know, just, it would have been way too low. So that's pretty much so for me, it, I just ended up getting a very, very heavy period, you know, a couple of days later, because um, it wasn't far along, you know, at all in that case. The heavy period exists. Oh, yeah. There you go, ladies. Yeah. It exists. I don't know if you're one of the women sitting there listening and you have had a heavy period loss. Mm-hmm. Okay. But all the women I've spoken to, this is this is the first time I've heard it was a heavy period. So it does happen. Yeah. The doctors aren't lying. It's real. Now I'm going to be telling women that. No, it is real. I have spoken to a real legitimate woman yeah. who had yeah. a heavy period. Yeah. But yeah, it's because yeah. when, when I heard that, I was like, oh, great. Okay. It was just a heavy period. And it wasn't at all. Like, I gave birth to a sack, um, you know, and other women have had similar things where it's like, they were like, that was beyond a heavy period. It was yeah. not just yeah. a heavy period. So you actually had like a heavy. It was period. just a very, yeah, it was just, it was more uncomfortable than normal, but it was nothing like out of the ordinary. Like, I think it, for me, it was more mental. Like I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to have to, you know, am I going to experience something different, you know, than like your normal period. But because I guess it's six, you're only what it's like, basically you find out you're pregnant for like a week is like, and then you get to six weeks. So it's really not that long. Um, but for me it was, yeah, I mean, I associated it with a heavy period, but, and then you think about all these other women who are like, oh, my period was late. You know, you just think about like in your lifetime, you know, you have friends that are like, oh, my period's late. And they're like, oh, but I got it. It's like, it makes you wonder how many of these women actually did have implantation, did were pregnant for a few days, and then your body just, you know, mm. rejected. So I think it's just so much more common than people realize. I think it's only when you're tracking it and you're actively trying, you start to realize. I really hope you enjoyed the first part of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit thejoyofsunflowers.com. Please note that all speakers, including experts and professionals, express information, views and opinions that should not be used to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any medical conditions. If you have a medical issue, please consult a qualified professional. Speakers voice their own views, opinions and conclusions and they may not reflect the views, opinions and conclusions of other speakers. Ella Rose, The Joy of Sunflowers and its sponsors may not endorse all or any of the views, opinions or conclusions expressed. 